What is going on guys, NBA One Hoops here, back up in it with the next episode of Hoops Cast. this is episode 6, so let's go ahead and jump into it. The first thing I want to talk about with you guys is the man Kendrick Perkins. Now look, he was on Twitter recently and he he responded to some tweet that was comparing two players and he said, hey, look, championships don't matter when comparing two players, they're all circumstantial, they're meaningless. That was pretty much along the lines of what he was trying to insinuate. I'm not obviously I'm not quoting the tweet verbatim. I don't have it right in front of me, but pretty much he was trying to imply that championships don't matter when comparing two players. And then he brought up a very he brought up the example of saying Robert Ory better than Jordan because Robert Ory has seven championships and Michael Jordan only has six. Now that's just a terrible take. And this is coming from somebody who's played in the NBA. And not only did he play in the NBA. Kendrick Perkins won a championship with the Boston Celtics in 2008 when they took down the Los Angeles Lakers in six games. Now, this is ridiculous. Saying championships don't matter when comparing two great players is just utter nonsense, and I'm going to tell you why. The thing about basketball, and pretty much, this kind of applies to every sport and every field, is the goal is to win championships. Everything else is secondary. So yeah, winning an MVP or winning a, a regular season game or breaking a record or having great stats, things of that nature are great and they're good. They should be celebrated. But the goal is championships, okay? It's all about the championships. So when comparing two great players, championships matter because we want to know who is better at achieving the ultimate goal, which was championships. Now, the reason why champion, another reason why championships matter when comparing two great players is because that lets us know who's a better leader. The thing about being a leader on a championship team, the best player on a championship team, is that if you're the best player on a team and you can take your team to a championship, that tells us a few things. It tells us that you know how to elevate your teammates. It tells us that you're a leader on the court, and it tells us that you know how to, you know, the pressure doesn't phase you. You know how to rise above the competition. And that is why it is important to 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 incorporate championships, you know, whenever you're discussing who's better than who. Now, it's not the only thing you should look at. Now, obviously, sometimes when you get to the finals, you know, the other team might be injured and might be missing guys, and you might get lucky and get a championship, but that doesn't mean your championship is invalid. There's no such thing as invalid championships. I mean, you won. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So, Kendrick Perkins coming out and saying that championships don't matter is just complete nonsense. I mean, that, that's very disrespectful to the game of basketball. If you listen to people like Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, they all say the same things. Look, it's about winning and winning championships. And right there, I just quoted Michael Jordan. He said literally himself, it's not about that. It's about winning and winning championships. That's all it's about. So, Perk, I mean, I doubt he's going to see this podcast, but if he did... I mean, I responded to you, and that was just a terrible take. Saying And saying Robert Ory is better than Jordan because he has more championships. Robert Ory was never the best basketball player on his own team. He was a role player who played on the Spurs and the Lakers, and he was just a good shooter. I mean, he was a solid player coming off the bench, but he was never the lead contributor on any of his championship teams. So saying that is just super casual, and I'm not sure where you're going with that. Now, to transition into something a little bit more positive, you know, because I like to have, you know, dynamics, uh, up and ups and downs. To transition into something a little bit more positive is, shockingly, James Harden and Russell Westbrook are working a lot better than I thought they would be. Now, the whole story, I mean, you guys have heard it a million times. You know, Russell Westbrook, during the offseason, was traded to the Houston Rockets for Chris Paul. Uh, I don't know if there were picks involved. I don't really remember. It was a while ago, obviously. 
But, you know, and when that first happened, my first reaction was, what in the world? Like, that, that is not going to work. Both of them are super ball dominant. It didn't work with Chris Paul, who's a better shooter than Russell Westbrook. So why would it work with Russell Westbrook? And they had ups and downs throughout the season so far. You know, stretches where they were losing. I think, I believe at one point they were the sixth or fifth seed. Uh, I believe they're what, like the fourth or third seed now? No, no, I believe they're the fifth seed now. But I think at one point they were like the seventh or sixth seed. And it just seems like they were just so inconsistent. They made one move. They got rid of Clint Capella. They picked up Robert Covington and Jeff Green. They moved P.J. Tucker to center. And out of nowhere, Russell Westbrook and James Harden seemed to be working like I did not think they could. The reason why I didn't think it was going to work is because Russ is not a great shooter and Russ needs a ball in his hands to dominate, the, you know, in order to be effective. And conversely, so does James Harden. James Harden also needs the ball, you know, to dominate and to be effective. And another reason why I thought it wouldn't work is because Russ is not a great three-point shooter. In fact, since his MVP season in 2017, his percentages have dipped ever since that year. He's gotten worse and worse and worse, which is honestly ridiculous if you think logically about that because as a basketball player, how do your percentages, how do you get worse as a shooter as you get older? That doesn't that that doesn't really make any sense to me. Usually you get better as a shooter, as your career progresses. I mean, we've we've seen that with a lot of players. We've seen that with Jordan. We saw that with KD. We saw that with LeBron. But Russ somehow got worse at shooting threes. It doesn't really make any sense to me. And because of that, I didn't think that I didn't think this Houston situation was going to work. I thought Houston had a problem. <laughs> and this is just ridiculous. But, you know, to, to their credit, they're making it work. I didn't think that shit was possible. You know, the, ever since they got rid of Clint Capella, the lane has opened up. In a way that, in, in a way which Russell Westbrook can dominate again, the, Russell Westbrook has never had, he's never played on a team where the lane was wide open. The reason why the lane is wide open is because the Rockets are surrounded with shooters. So you got James Harden, you got PJ Tucker, you got Robert Covington, you got Eric Gordon, you got sharp shooters on that team. So as a def- as a defense, you know, as your as the other team, you have to defend that. You have to pe- keep people close. And because they're not playing any big men, there's no, there's nothing in the lane that's clogging. There's no clogging of the lane. So Russell Westbrook literally has a highway. He just has to beat one man and he's at the rim. And that's why Russ has, has an uptick as of late because he's been hooping. I mean, there's no resistance at the rim because there's nobody there defending the rim. And you can't, and let's say, like, if he, collapse, if he drives to the rim and a defense wants to collapse in on him, he's kicking out to open shooters. And you'd rather give up two points and three. So right now, Russ is hooping in a large part because of the system that they're running. And honestly, I didn't see that dynamic. I thought trading away Clint Capella was going to be a mistake. But obviously, it's worked out in their favor heavily. James Harden is averaging about 35 points per game on the season. Russ is averaging, what, 27, 28? And they're both top 12 in assists. Uh, Harden is around 9th. Russell Westbrook is around 11th. And they're both just really hooping. They're putting on a great show. And it's starting to work. Now, I don't know. When I say work, I'm not saying they're going to win a championship. That's not what I'm implying. They're not going to win a championship. But they can definitely give any team a problem now. They can do it the way Russ is playing. You know, he pushes the pace. He pushes the ball up. And the way Harden, obviously Harden is going to do Harden things. He's going to create shots. He's going to step back. He's going to hit that three on you. And there's not really much you can do about it. This team is not a team you want to face in a playoff series because they always have a chance to win any game on any given night due to the amount of volume of three-point shooters that they have and the amount of threes that they attempt. 
And so, as far as the Houston Rockets, they're legit now. I don't think they're going to win a championship, but they're going to give any team a huge problem in the Western Conference playoffs. Now, now for the next topic we're going to be talking about is the man D-Wade, Dwayne Wade, and recently had his jersey retired. I believe that was, what's today, uh, Tuesday? Uh, I believe that was what, Sunday or Saturday. He had his jersey retired, and what I want to talk about is is just the, the legacy of D-Wade for a second. And I want to put him into perspective because the problem with D-Wade and the way that history is going to remember him, I don't think history is going to remember D-Wade too favorably. I mean, he came into the league in 2003. He was the fifth pick of the draft. He was drafted by Miami. And he won a championship in 2006 in a very controversial, and I want to put quotes around that, controversial NBA Finals. So he was Finals MVP. Now, the reason why I say he might not be remembered too favorably is because his career was overlapped by Kobe Bryant. So, Kobe Bryant came into the league in 1996, and he played his prime, his best bas- his best years of basketball were from 2000 to the year 2013. Now, Wade was never better than Kobe Bryant. It was never a point in his career where he was better than Kobe. And... That might hold him back in terms of being remembered as a basketball player, as a great player. But that's truly unfair. The thing about D-Wade is, he's nicknamed the Flash. He's easily, in my opinion, the greatest Heat player ever. Now, I know a lot of people might say, oh, what about LeBron? Well, LeBron wasn't drafted by them. And he didn't play most of his career there. D-Wade played almost every single season of his career as a member of the Miami Heat. Obviously, he had a little short stint in Chicago, a short stint in Cleveland. But he's a Miami man at heart. You know, people like to nickname Miami the 305. They like to nickname it Wade County instead of Dade County because <laughs> Wade was pretty much their savior. He's their hero. And he's just he's just amazing. He's an amazing basketball player. In my opinion, he's the third best shooting guard in the history of the sport. And it's sad because, you know, especially with the recent death of Kobe Bryant, it's, it's almost like we forgot about who D-Wade D- even was, like, no one's even talking about his jersey retirement. No one's giving him any love. No one's giving him any, you know, type of respect. And that's not really his fault. You know, obviously, we just, you know, us as basketball fans, we just dealt with a tragic loss of Kobe Bean Bryant. So, obviously, you know, that's going to take away from D-Wade Shine. I'm sure he's all right with that. I mean, it's very, it's for a good cause. I mean, Kobe Bryant died. But as far as D-Wade's legacy, look, in my opinion, he's solidified. He's a three-time champion. He's obviously, like I said before, he's the third best shooting guard in, in, in the history of the sport, in my opinion. And, you know, he won two more championships with LeBron. In the year 2011, when LeBron froze up in the NBA Finals, D-Wade showed up. He was play, he was dropping about 24, 25 points per game. And had LeBron played solid, he probably would have won Finals MVP. And another thing about D-Wade that's commonly overlooked is the fact that he's such a great leader and such a great teammate to have on your basketball team. You know, what he did for LeBron, you know, walking him into the Miami, welcoming, welcoming him into the Miami culture, allowing him to come aboard, you know, giving him the reins, giving him the blueprint, you know, showing him how to win, showing him how to win championships, you know, showing him how to be a leader, showing him how to be a great basketball player. D-Wade played second fiddle and he let LeBron be the best player. He let him, you know, run the show. And that's something that not a lot of basketball players can do. When you're an all-time great player, like a top 20, top 30 basketball player of all time, that's not an easy feat. It's not easy to just give somebody else the reins. Your pride, you know, pride sets in. That kicks in, and it's hard to just, you know, relinquish those reins and that leadership responsibility to another player. And the fact that he was able to swallow his own pride 
and say, hey, you know what? In order for us to be successful, LeBron, you need to be the man. You got to be the one to lead us, and I'll be, I'll be fine. I'll get my 23, 24 points a game, and you just do you. And that's something that we have to take our hats off to because, you know, Kobe or Jordan or, or maybe even who else? I'm, I'm not even sure who else you want to name, but they would have had a problem doing that. They didn't want to be second fiddles. And the fact that he was able to take a lesser role on those Miami Heat championship teams is something to be respected and something to definitely, you know, think about. And that's pretty much where I'm going with that topic. Now, transitioning to the next topic, and, you know, I don't have smooth transitions for y'all this time. But the man, the Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks. Look, this is something that was brought to my attention yesterday because I didn't even notice this. The man is only shooting 61% from the free throw line. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you're out there listening, for the people, for those of you at home, <laughs> that's terrible. That's pathetic. 61% from the free throw line is a joke. And if you're going to, I just, I don't even know how I didn't know this. I don't know how I didn't even look. It's something that literally just crossed my mind, or maybe I just wasn't even really paying attention when, you know, I occasionally look at everybody's stats. But shooting 61% from the free throw line is utterly garbage. And to put that into perspective, we all know Shaq is a pathetic free throw shooter. That's one of the jokes or knocks against Shaq, who is an all-time great player. We say, oh, that man can hit free throws. Well, like I said, consider this. Shaq, three times in his career, shot at least 62% from the free throw line. My man Giannis is shooting 61%. That's terrible. That's damn near hack That's hack a Giannis. hack Giannis, that's near hack Giannis levels right there. <laughs> I mean, and another reason why this is so alarming, it's not that he's just shooting 61%. Because let's say he was just doing that for his career. We would say, hey, that's just something he struggles with, right? That's not at all what's happening. Last season, Giannis shot 72% from the free throw line on about 6.9 makes per game and about 9.5 attempts per game. This year, his free throw attempts went up to 10.4. So almost a whole other attempt per game. But his makes went down about half. So, last year, he was making 6.9 on 9.5 attempts. This year, he's making 6.2 on 10.4 attempts, and he's shooting 10% less. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not just a simple, small drop, a small sample size. That's ridiculous. That's disastrous. You don't just decrease 10% when you're shooting that many free throws. That's like hundreds of free throws. You're shooting 10% less? That's... That's just ridiculous. I mean, let's say you attempt a thousand free throws and you make 10% less than you usually do. That's a whole hundred less free throws you made. And the reason why I'm saying that is because those are free points. They're called free throws. Those are points for your basketball team. And this is a concern because come deep, you know, come postseason time, playoff time, you know, when you need him, he, he's supposed to be the best player in the world. In my opinion, Giannis is the best basketball player in the world right now. Come postseason time, if those percentages aren't up, he can be a liability potentially down the fourth quarter, down the stretch. You can't have somebody who's the best player on the team, who does most of the offense for the team. He's averaging 30, 17, and 6. And in the fourth quarter, he's not going to be able to have the ball in his hand because he can't even hit free throws. That's ridiculous. And what's even crazier about all this? Giannis has improved his three-point shooting from last year, but he, he decreased his free throw percentages. That doesn't make any sense. So look, this is what needs to happen. Giannis needs to improve his free throw percentages. He needs to work, go in the gym and just start shooting free throws. Don't work on nothing else. 
because shooting sixty one percent as a, as the best player in the world, you know, as a small forward, power forward type player, is ridiculous. When you look at all the other all time greats, they all shot respectively from the free throw line, with the exception of LeBron. So when you look at someone like Kobe, eighty five percent, Jordan, eighty five percent, Kevin Durant, ninety percent, Steph Curry, what ninety two, ninety three, Larry Bird around ninety as well. If Giannis wants to not be the problem, if 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 what he needs to do is he needs to get this free throw percentage around 70, at least 70. There's no excuse to shoot less than 70% from the free throw line. And that's pretty much what I have for that topic. That is just utterly, 61% is a joke. Now, moving on, we're going to be talking about Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, a lot of people feel, well, okay, I didn't mean to rhyme. <laughs> Bradley Beal, and some people feel, I'm not rapping, but the point I'm trying to make is a lot of people feel that Bradley Beal was snubbed of his all-star game selection and that's not what I want to get into, but I just want to talk about Bradley Beal in general. He's definitely an all-star worthy caliber player. The problem is he's playing on a very terrible team. It's pathetic. I mean, there's nothing more sad in terms of, you know, being a basketball fan than seeing a great player waste years on a team that's not contending to win a championship. He dropped 53 points a few nights ago and his team lost. He dropped 55 around there, I think either 50 or 55 points last night against the Bucks, and overtime his team lost. Look, that has to be so frustrating, you know, when you're doing all that you feel that you can, and you still lose basketball games. This this needs to change for him. I mean, John Wall is out, obviously, who's another All Star caliber player, and John Wall is not going to be returning until next season. And I don't know what Bradley Beal wants to do. I don't know if he wants to wait. He can easily force a trade. I mean, we've seen that happen a thousand times. You know, look at Paul George, Kawhi, things of that nature. So, Kyrie Irving. So, obviously, he can force a trade, but he just seems so frustrated. I feel so bad. You know, he's out there hooping. You know, he's he's out there putting up buckets, and his team is just trash. He's just out there losing. And, like, you know, and I'm, I'm the type of person, I'm the type of fan where I care about winning. You know, it's winning or you didn't do enough. And I'm not trying to say, you know, oh, yeah, you know, he dropped 50 points, but he, but he dropped 50 points, uh, but he dropped 50 points. Like, I'm not one of those fans who just overlooked the fact that, yeah, he still lost. Like, he lost. That's the type of fan I am. So, yeah, you had a great game, but you lost. In other words, you didn't do enough. And I understand his team is trash, but at some point, there needs to be a change of scenery. Like, I don't believe a player should be subjected to a terrible team for their whole careers. At some point, you got to move on. If your team is not trying to move in the right direction, they're not. If they're not making moves, you know, and if they don't have a plan to win championships in the future, then you have to take your destiny into your own hands and go to a team that's more favorable. Now, I'm not saying join a super team. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying join a team that has plans, that has young talent, up and coming talent. It's up and coming, and then you can just be the piece to put them over the top and start contending for championships. Now, I would never condone going to a super team. I'm not like, you know, I'm not saying do a KD and go join the Lakers or something. I'm saying join a team that, that could use your talent. Maybe like uh like you and Trey Young. Bradley Beal and Trey Young in, in Atlanta, that would be great. You know, that that's a perfect setup. Both of them are elite shooters. You know, they both play that point guard, two guard spot. It'd almost be like Clay and stuff, except Bradley Beal doesn't defend like Clay. So that's what I'm saying. So I think at some point in time, you know, he's gonna be he's gonna get fed up with all this losing. The man is obviously balling out. He's a he's an all star talent. He got snubbed. A lot of people feel, and 
it's just hard to hear about all this. I mean, how do you drop 50 points back-to-back and lose both games? That's crazy. That's ridiculous. That just goes to show you what he's working with down there. And I'm not sure if he has the patience to wait for John Wall's return. And that's pretty much where I was going with this topic. Now, that's pretty much all I have for you guys on this week's episode of HoopsCast, episode 6. Make sure you guys subscribe to my YouTube channel at NBA1Hoops. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at NBA1Hoops. Follow me on Instagram at NBA1.Hoops. And that's pretty much it. I'm out of here. I hope you guys have a great day. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Make sure you guys share this with your friends. Hit that subscribe button. Give me the five stars. And with all that being said, I'm out of here. Have a good one.